Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arena Craft Podcast, a show dedicated exclusively to, you guessed it, Magic the Gathering Arena. I'm one of your hosts, Arjuna. I'm joined today by the the venerable other host, Kovac Go Blue. How are you doing today, CGB? It's me. It's CGB. It's the Arena Craft Podcast. It's behind the scenes peak Friday night. There's just not many better things to be doing in a world where you can't leave your house safely. Uh, that is a very, very good point. I have not left my house for the last seven years. So <laughs> so the pandemic was actually a boon for me because everyone else's life started to look like mine. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, tonight we are here, we are fresh, sipping a drink in Marrakesh, going to discuss Kaladesh because that is what is happening on Arena. Very, very soon we're going to have the release of Kaladesh Remastered. I think I can speak for the both of us in saying that we're both fairly excited for this set. Now, news flash: in case anyone wasn't aware, you won't be able to play any of these cards in Standard, so this is a straight-to-draft, straight-to-historic kind of a set. But having said that, CGB, I think that there are actually a fair number of cards here that might see a splash in Historic. Here's the thing. When you're talking about competitive play... High level, high stakes, big money, MPL, you know, the stuff that the few chosen get to enjoy. There are a few cards that I think can really shake up that particular meta. But I'm going to I'm gonna posit something when it comes to historic. If when you're talking about the weekend warrior, when you're talking about the after school special, when you're talking about your typical kind of spiky but just loves magic player out there looking for a little bit of four-year-old nostalgia. I think that there are a lot of things you can do with this set because historic in particular and even ranked historic is not all about like the the top tier decks I find. It's not all about the net deck the ladder. It's very much about a variety of things. The decks that you kind of enjoyed most getting into the game, like the first decks you created on Arena. That's what I see the most when I play historic. I, I see Soul Warden Johnny's Pride Mate every day. Every day in Historic, I see dinosaurs from Ixalan. I see Wild Growth Walker and a bunch of Explorer cards. Like, like Historic is built for nostalgia, and Kaladesh is bringing nostalgia big time. I am getting these flashbacks to a time when people complained about how broken cards that weren't nearly that broken were. <laughs> Long you know what I mean? Cub. Ban Long Toss Cub. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. the things that they banned back then. They look like little house cats next to the cougars yeah. that are Omnath and Uro. Oh my Seriously, gosh. Seriously, people, people didn't know what they had to look forward to for sure. However, I will say that this set, I think some people might actually look back to Kaladesh as being like the first broken set in the modern era right yeah uh, yes. i think before this set was released it's kind of hard to reach back and look at a set that had as many like banned dangerous power level kind of cards in it so that you have to go note. to meridian you have to go to the artifact set of meridian for that yeah, yeah. there was a long stretch of unbanned stuff in standard i guess maybe Cawblade. i didn't really play during Cawblade and jace 
Uh, but yeah, it's kind of amazing how Kaladesh, it created so many bands. It was like one of the first set where they looked at attendance and participation events, saw it go down because the meta was so warped and that they took action band cards that nowadays were like, really, that got banned? Like, really? Are you kidding? And they made the meta better through bands. And some fun history of Kaladesh is they said when they banned all those cards, that was where they revealed that they were hiring the new play design team, whose job it was, was to design sets and play test them so that this would never happen again. That play design team (laughs) went on to build War of the Spark, Eldraine, Theros Beyond Death. And and now you just look at it and you say, what happened? Yeah. Well, and it's funny too, because I think part of it was that we had like, uh, we had like one Ixalan, right? And that was mm-hmm. all it took. Like players were like, Ixalan's weak and it sucks. And Wizards was just like, all right, scrap that. We're never going to print another weak set ever again in the history of Magic, right? <laughs> They were like, true. you know, we made Homelands, you hated it. We made Ixalan, you hated it. All right, right, you know, roll out the cavalry. So that's, that's kind of what they've been doing ever since. But I agree. I think that Kaladesh is a, is a nostalgic set for a lot of people. Um, I just think that the flavor was on point. The cards that didn't get banned that people didn't hate were still really strong and fun. And I think overall it was a really fun standard format. So, yeah, I think it has a lot to offer the historic format. So where do we want to start with this CGB? Do you want to just like briefly discuss the themes of the set and some of the mechanics? I'm not sure how much you want to go through explaining the mechanics. I'm sure some people have never seen them before. And uh, I, I think some of the some of them are kind of complicated to explain. Do you want to like bounce back and forth and give our best like classroom presentation style with the mechanics? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like just... which one do you I'll, I'll let you start. Which one do you want? Okay, um, I'll talk about Fabricate. I think that that's a mechanic that you're not going to see much of, but I think it's cool. Creatures that have Fabricate have a number on them, and the Fabricate number tells you how many times you get to make a choice, and the choice is plus one, plus one counter, or make a dude. And the dude is a 1-1 servo artifact creature. So for example, if a creature says Fabricate 1, when it ETBs, you get to decide if it comes down with a plus one, plus one counter, or if it makes a one, one servo when it comes down. Now, I think I'm right in saying that if a creature has fabricate more than one, then you have to decide whether you get multiple counters or multiple servos. You don't get to do one of each, right? Okay, cool. So keep bear that in mind. Uh, one of the cards we're going to discuss today does have fabricate too, and uh, that will be a choice that you may have to make. So, that's Fabricate. What else are we dealing with, CGB? I think you picked a nice slow softball on that one. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to swing at the fastball and try to explain energy. Mm, good luck. Yeah, um, energy in a nutshell is a counter that gets put on a player. Uh, but it can't be interacted with. You can't just lose energy the opponent can't do anything that takes it away so if you have a card that gives you two energy either by resolving or by completing some kind of an effect like damaging the opponent then you receive two energy counters and they sit there and they don't do anything until you do something with them now some cards will have ways to spend energy for various positive effects there will be a card that lets you spend 
three energy counters to make a 1-1 Thopter on the battlefield. There will be a card that lets you spend two energy counters to put a plus one plus one counter on that creature. So you need cards that create the energy and you need cards to spend it. And it's a resource, but it's not something that people can interact with, which I think is one of the only things about energy that did take away from the fun of it is that basically you make a pile of energy and then you get there's nothing anybody can do about it and then later when you play your energy card it has like this tremendous potential upside so um but yeah energy how'd i do anything to add no i I think that was good um the only thing i want to say is that your opponent can actually interact with it if they have a card that says like add or remove a counter from a player Uh, i don't know if we have any of those in historic but it's just something good to know that that is, I think, the only way I can think of where people do actually interact with that. So Solemnity says players can't gain counters. So, so Solemnity may actually lock you out of energy. Yeah. It, it keeps you from gaining energy. It doesn't yeah. do anything to any energy you've already gained. Right. So, so that could be a relevant interaction in the format. But, but other than that, um, spot on CGB and yes... After you play with it a few times, it'll it'll become pretty clear. Energy was a very, very strong mechanic when it came out, and a number of energy cards were banned in the standard format. So, you know, possible it could have a power level in Historic. Another main mechanic I remember from these sets was Revolt. And Revolt is basically if a permanent left the battlefield on the turn that left your battlefield, on the turn that you cast that revolt card, you get an extra effect. And so there are a number of cards in the set. There's only one that I can think of that is going to see a lot of play in Historic that uses revolt, but it is a very important mechanic. And so cards that are the best at enabling revolt are things like fetch lands. At the moment, the most likely fetch land you are to play in Historic would be Fabled Passage, but there are, you know, other lands that you can sack help to do that. And then things such as treasures, food, um, or just like having a sack outlet in your deck. These are all other things that can enable revolt. Or if, you know, if you entered combat and a creature of yours died, that would be another example of a revolt enabler. So just keep an eye out for that. Like I said, there's going to be at least one major card in, in Historic that you're going to see all over the place that has Revolt written on it. I think that that covers it. Is it did I miss Did I miss anything? Did we miss anything? Uh, those, were, those were the three on my mind. You crushed it. Okay. Boom. Sweet. All right. So without further ado, why don't we take a look at our list of cards? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold okay. on. I got it. I can't just... You missed such... A beautiful shot that like it was so set up so perfect without further ado the arena craft podcast kaladesh remastered set review <laughs> set review and just so you know we're gonna skip a majority of cards in the set however we will discuss them at more length and by we i mean me and somebody else not cgb <laughs> in in an upcoming episode yeah the, the royal we so the first card here that i want to talk about which may be a fun card to play in historic is called angel of invention So this is a mythic rare creature angel, three white white for a two one. So it's clearly got to have something else going on, and it does. It has flying vigilance, lifelink, and fabricate two. So already you get to make the choice. Does this come in as a four three flyer 
Or does it come in as a 2-1 that makes two 1-1 one, one artifact creatures, but then they immediately become 2-2s two because the other text on this card is other creatures you control get plus one plus one. So this is immediately a Flying Vigilance lifelink creature that buffs the team, and that's other creatures, so note that. Um, and then you get to decide whether to make it a big flyer or whether to go wide and make some smaller stuff. So this card is, I think, mainly of interest because we saw it in the God Pharaoh's Gift deck in Standard. Um, but it's just, it's a fairly powerful card. I mean, it's an Anthem, it's a flying uh, lifelinker. I don't know, CGB, do you think that this could have a shot in the diverse matter of Historic? There's no shot whatsoever if you cast it for five mana. Agreed. But the thing with the Godfrey's Gift deck, and this is something that if you didn't play back then, you're not going to know. So all the pieces sort of have to come together. Another card that's printed in Kaladesh Remastered is called Refurbish. Refurbish is three mana in a white sorcery to put an artifact from the graveyard onto the battlefield. So the God Pharaoh's Gift deck would cast, like, say, a turn one Stitcher Supplier, a turn two Chart of chart the course a turn three champion of wits they put all these things in the graveyard and including a god pharaoh's gift on turn four you would cast refurbish you would get the god pharaoh's gift the god pharaoh's gift would get an angel of invention right so it's a four four zombie but then it fabricates right so it's a six six zombie with flying vigilance lifelink and, and haste haste oh baby so you're already gaining like the th the place I talked about don't impact the board, but as soon as you play an Angel of Invention, not only does it buff your other creatures, your Stitcher Supplier is now a 2-2, two -two, your Champion of Wits is a 3-2 if you still have them, but you also get in for 6 damage in the air and 6 life that turn, yeah. and that's a big swing, and that's why Angel of Invention was good in those decks. Compared to like a a card that they play ravenous chupacabra you get a four four and you kill a thing but often getting six life and dealing six damage on an evasive body is a lot stronger and it has vigilance remember it's yeah. there to block too yeah so this is the kind of card that can race an ember cleave so mm -hmm. you know just keep that in mind that combination that is a, a combo made in heaven you know it's possible the angel sees some play in some other shells but i totally agree i think you, you you're probably wanting to cheat this into play so keep an eye out for that in that deck specifically the next card that i want to talk about and the cycle i think that's really interesting to talk about are the gear hulks so the Gear Hulks were these big mythic artifact creatures that have a profound impact when they enter the battlefield. And they were all designed to be heavy hitters. And the majority of them did see play in standard. And I, I, I don't know, maybe a couple of them have seen play in some older formats as well. I know Torrential Gear Hulk has been a, a player. So we, we have our first Gear Hulk here in terms of the white one, Cataclysmic Gear Hulk. Do you want to read this for us, CGB? Three white, white, four, five artifact creature construct. These are all mythics in the Gear Hulk category. Vigilance, they all have a keyword ability that represents their color, just kind of tacked onto them. So this one has vigilance. Way to go, white. And when Cataclysmic Gear Hulk enters the battlefield, each player chooses an artifact, a creature, an enchantment, and a planeswalker from among the non-land permanents they control, then sacrifices the rest. Yeah. Do you remember where this saw play in Standard? 
I don't. The effect is similar to a card that did see a little bit of play in standard uh, Tragic Arrogance. It's close, but it's the wrong side of Tragic Arrogance, because Tragic Arrogance, the person casting it got to make all the choices. Cataclysmic Gear Hulk giving the opponent choices isn't very good. But the card did see some play with what we just talked about, Godfarah's Gift, because some players dealt with that deck by going super wide, super fast. And really the only good spot for Cataclysmic Gear Hulk is if somehow you're, sacri- you're forcing your opponent to sacrifice three or four permanents when it enters the battlefield. That requires someone going absurdly wide. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, a, I think of this as more of a scalpel than a cannon. So yes. I definitely wouldn't main deck it unless you have some very particular game plan that you're going for. Um, but it is an, it's a it's a powerful card, and if certain kinds of decks uh, start doing very very well in the meta, especially like a deck that is spitting out a bunch of artifacts or a bunch of enchantments, or I mean, heck, even a bunch of planeswalkers, right? Imagine your control opponent has four walkers on the field, and you get down a gearhog. That's going to feel pretty bad for them. So uh, just yeah, a card to look out for could show up. I'm just picturing the situation you mentioned, and they're like, okay, I'll keep the one that's about to ultimate. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's not necessarily a game over, for sure. So yeah, maybe one of the weaker Gearhawks for Historic. Next card I want to talk about, now one one of the cool things that Kaladesh gave the greater card pool of magic is just a number of extremely efficient answers. There are some of the most efficient spells ever printed in magic in this set, and this next one I'm going to read is definitely one of them. It is called Fragmentize. It is one white mana for a sorcery. Destroy target artifact or enchantment with converted mana cost four or less. So they basically don't come cheaper than this without being broken cards, and uh, Fragmentize is definitely very, very strong when you do actually need to remove one of those things. This card has seen play in older formats because of the efficiency and because artifacts and enchantments do feature heavily in older formats. So not much else to say about this card, it's just that it's a nice thing to have in the sideboard of your white decks in Historic if there are any meddlesome, you know, if your opponent's doing some stupid enchantment shenanigans or if there is like a particular artifact that you just want to get rid of easily. Yeah, I, I picture this as like a one or two of at most. It had to be this cheap for a narrow hate piece to be useful. And uh, it, it is good at times, but you don't want too many. Yep. Agreed. And remember that CMC4 or less clause, because that really does matter. Let's see. We have a sweeper entering the format. Probably not one that's going to see much play. It is called Fumigate. Why don't you read this for us, CDB? Fumigate. Three, white, white. That's one more than Wrath of God. (laughs) Therefore, the rest doesn't matter. Yeah. (laughs) No, but uh, it does destroy all creatures, and you can gain one life for each creature destroyed this way. And that's not worth it. Just play Wrath of God. Yeah, play Wrath of God. The end. CGB mentioned this card before, I'll just reread it. Refurbish, three and a white sorcery, return target artifact card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So an artifact reanimator, just take note of this card. There's definitely, people are definitely going to try some kind of nonsense with this deck, cheating out expensive artifacts, getting back their god pharaoh's gift, etc, etc. So that that's definitely a place that this card could show up. There are cards like Gear Per Ori, there are cards like Platinum Angel, Acroma's Memorial that haven't been in a format with this 
card on arena so yeah there's some nonsense besides god pharaoh's gift that we could see yep nonsense combos shenanigans basically when you look at this card just think shenanigans and especially if you're like uh if you're starting a match against someone in historic and they're discarding some random expensive artifacts this is the card in the back of your mind that you're waiting for yeah i i am trying to think of just how busted is refurbish on gear per ori because you can tap it for five mana immediately and the next turn you have 10 mana mm-hmm. yeah it's 10 mana heck of a ramp strategy for sure and it fixes all colors yeah i don't know who knows no, um, it's true. I'll read this one for us because this, eh, maybe not now, but eventually could be a player in historic SRAM Senior Edificer. SRAM Senior Edificer is going to be a player on day one. This is one in a white for a 2-2 legendary dwarf advisor. When you cast an aura, equipment, or vehicle spell, draw a card. This card goes into the deck with Core Spirit Dancer oh, and Curiosity so and Staggering Insight and Sentinel's Eyes and all that other crap. And that deck was already nuts, but it was containable. If they didn't draw Core Spirit Dancer, they were vulnerable, or if you killed it fast enough, they were vulnerable. Saram so is like another Core Spirit Dancer effect. It's going to make that deck even better and more miserable to play against. Good call. Yeah, good call. I mean, I'll tell you what, I will feel a lot more excited about casting a Sky Maul or a stupid frickin' Colossus Hammer if I have Saram in play. So, Ooh, Sky Maul, yeah, that's a curve. Yeah, baby, Ooh. you know? Okay, all right, all right, good card, man, good card. Yeah, Saram is just, this This card has possibilities, all right? You're gonna, people are gonna try everything with this card, and like you said, CGB, it'll probably stick in some, some decks that we already know of okay so next card i want to talk about here is toolcraft exemplar this is an artifact nakatl as it were it's a one white for a one one dwarf artificer at rare at the beginning of combat on your turn if you control an artifact toolcraft exemplar gets plus two plus one until end of turn so it's just one any artifact if you control three or more artifacts it also gains first strike until end of turn. So this is like White's um, version of Thieves Guild in Forza, and we've all gotten to see how strong that card can actually be. So this card was definitely a player in Standard back when the Vehicles deck was big, and CGB, you seem to think that this could be seeing some play in Historic as well? I think that the Vehicle deck will have a shot. The deck was incredibly strong in its time, and the mana is going to be very good almost better than it was then. Mardu vehicles was usually what we saw. And we've got plenty of cards that we'll talk about that could fit into the deck. This is the first one. The The biggest thing on this is that you have to have an artifact to make it good. I don't think that will be a problem. Vehicles in the set are artifacts and there's plenty of them and there's plenty of powerful ones. So once we get to some of the vehicle cards, then you'll understand better. I think people who have only seen vehicles in the most recent sets are like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they don't understand. <laughs> they, they did not live through the pain. Vehicles are once ferocious and vicious and their stats, like the stats you're going to hear on these cards are absurd. And Toolcraft Exemplar is a key, like turn one play, and then turn two, you're attacking for three and you play a two mana, like four, four, and then turn four. 
three, you're attacking with the four, four and the three, two, and it, it just gets crazy. So I, I think there's a chance we'll see this. Think about a curve like this, right? Exemplar into SRAM into SkyMall. That's, uh, that's a pretty potent curve in even in a format as fast as Historic. So again, this is a card with a lot of possibilities. It wears equipment very, very well. Also white dwarves. Yeah, it's true. Just saying. Yeah. The, 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 they did white mummies, white zombies in Amenket. They did white dwarves in Kaladesh. Uh, so, you know, some people might be surprised. Yeah, the Dwarven tribe definitely getting some reinforcement in Historic. Uh, we'll, we'll see how many other relevant dwarves we have to work with here. All right, that's going to wrap us up for the color of white. Now let's get into the color of blue. And the first card that I want for you to take us through CGB is is a, a somewhat on-brand card, I would say, Baral, Chief of Compliance. Barrel. Chief, no, it is Baral, but <laughs> I, I just say Barrel. Barrel. Uh, Chief of Chief of, do a barrel roll. Uh, Chief of Compliance, one blue for a 1-3 legendary human wizard. Instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast. Whenever a spell or ability you control counters a spell, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. So, so meme uh, or dream? So I was never, I never played much Brawl. It's, it's on brand for me because, you know, blue cards, instants and sorceries, but I, I generally don't like tapping man on my turn. Um, this card though is pretty, is pretty good. It got banned in regular Brawl. Time will tell if it gets banned in historic Brawl. The thing that I'm wondering is, is there some broken combo deck? We'll get to paradoxical outcomes soon. Does this card fit into like a deck with paradoxical outcome that can draw a million cards very quickly? Is is there another card where the reduce the reduce cost is insane? You know, because I don't. Is it good enough to reduce like escape costs on glimpse of freedom and empty your graveyard? I don't know. Like some people will be trying to find a way to make this card amazing. I'm not sure it's there, but the. The historic meta is ripe for a good Stormant-like combo deck. It's it's just kind of lurking. And we're going to have Baral and Mox Amber in the same format, and it does seem like it could get messed up. Yeah, yeah. It's also a wizard, and we've, you know, there continue to be like a parade of powerful wizards and wizard synergies entering arena in general so that's just another thing to keep an eye out for we already have some cost reduction wizard shenanigans going on so yep things are just you know bargain prices continue at the wizard academy in historic so, wizard academy is next spring just that's just that's so you true know. we're gonna get strict a, haven gonna get strict a massive massive influx there so <laughs> yeah man i don't know but this is the power level is there so we just have to see if the combo pieces are there but if history has taught us anything, it's that when you take two mana spells and you reduce the cost to one mana spells, they get very, very, very powerful. So we could see definitely a bunch of can tripping, storming, etc. kind of stuff going off with Brawl. And yes, yes, for those of you who play Historic Brawl, this is definitely a card to put on your short list of decks to build and quickly get banned. So another thing that Kaladesh is bringing, and I'm sure this just makes you salivate at the thought of it, CGB, 
to Historic is a number of very playable counter spells. The first of which, while admittedly a narrow card, is a very strong card. Uh, this is called Ceremonious Rejection. This is a one blue instant. It says counter, target, colorless spell. So, a number of things you can do with this card are, for example, you can counter your opponent's Ulamog for one mana. Granted, it doesn't cancel the exile clause, but it does mean you don't have to deal with the 10-10 annoying creature. This can counter your opponent's Garipa Orrery, for example. It's one of these things where maybe it doesn't see any play in Historic just because there are no important colorless spells to counter, but it's a good card to know about. Oh, what's that? I, I couldn't hear you over the sound of a crying Ugin. <laughs> oh, Ugin. There we go. <laughs> yep, Ugin's a solid one. Actually, we're going to get to probably the key card that this countered in Standard during its time, which is Aetherworks Marvel, but yep. that we'll talk about that in a little bit. Disallow is probably the best three-mana counterspell ever printed. Yeah, okay, so take us through this, CGB. Disallow is one blue-blue for an instant counter-target spell, activate ability, or triggered ability. Doesn't sound like a huge diversion from Cancel, you know, which is just three-mana counter-target spell. But just the, the way it changes the game when you can counter an activated ability or triggered ability is kind of amazing. A good example, the way that this worked in Standard when it was legal is people were just scared to ultimate their Planeswalkers. Yeah. Just scared to minus seven their Chandra for the for the emblem that would kill the opponent because if you have a disallow, you give up your Planeswalker for nothing. And it made games that otherwise seemed like runaways, if the opponent even bluffed disallow, people just wouldn't make optimal plays. Yeah. They couldn't. And it was actually pretty amazing. And I think that this will work its way in some numbers into historic blue decks. Absolutely. So one of the benefits of a card like this, okay, we've seen this kind of thing before, but it usually comes on situational or fairly unplayable cards like Tail's End. So cards like Tail's End are really difficult to main deck because they're just a bit too focused, but Disallow is not. So the, the fail case on Disallow is you just counter your opponent's spell and it costs three mana, which is not the worst in a format like Historic. But what playing this card allows you to do is also be able to answer just a wide range of interesting scenarios. So some, some different interesting things you could do. You could just counter your opponent cracking a Fabled Passage, which could be a minor play, but in some cases it could be a game-winning play, especially if your opponent's already mana-screwed. Disallow can allow you to do things like, let's say that your opponent is playing a card that I have enjoyed, Demonic Pact. Maybe they're trying to um, doom it, right? Doom foretold it. Uh, you can disallow the Doom Foretold activation. So there's just like a number of tricky things you can do. CGB, I'm sure you've just been stockpiling a list of fun things to do with disallow. Yeah, when the nine lives trigger says that you lose the game, I'm just going to disallow that. There you go. It's pretty nice. Or any of those other lose the game triggers, chance for glory. Or when my opponent Yorian's 15 permanents, including their demonic pact, I'm just going to disallow the return to battlefield trigger. And keep them exiled. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, oh, yeah. This is a fun card. It's fun, and it's very powerful. And it's another thing where, let's say that your opponent casts that Ulamog, and you're like, I don't care about the creature, but I just don't want to lose my two Planeswalkers or whatever, or I don't want to lose two lands. You can just disallow the cast 
part of the Ulamog and then ECD it next turn or something. Right, right. I, I, I love that we just don't, you know, you're, you're, you are a better control mage than you let on. First you called Disallow fun. Then you said, we just don't care about the 1010 indestructible. <laughs> <laughs> you're a good blue mage. You're doing well. I've played enough control to know that creatures, creatures aren't generally the problem by the time in the game where an Ulamog's coming down. So keep an eye out for Disallow. You're going to get owned by this card. I mean, I, I promise you, there will be a point in the next month if you play Historic where you're going to yell at your monitor in disbelief and you will lose the game because of Disallow. So have fun. Have fun expecting that. All right, CGB, we have another counter spell for us. Why don't you read this one? Metallic Rebuke is two and a blue with Improvise. Did we explain that one to the kids? Oh, I guess we didn't. We missed that. So, yeah. We missed that. Improvise is like Convoke for artifacts. Basically, you can tap an untapped artifact when you cast the spell to pay for the mana cost. So, if you have two artifacts on the battlefield that are untapped and you would like to tap those, you can play Metallic Rebuke for one blue mana. Um, and it says counter target spell unless its controller pays three. So in theory, a three, two, or one mana counter target spell mystical dispute type effect. I am. Okay, so here's what I want to say about this card. I don't know this is going to be great in historic. However, this card has a power level that has been seen in older formats. So don't just write this one off. It can be an extremely, extremely powerful card. But Historic is not necessarily a format in which we're playing a bunch of cheap and zero-cost artifacts. So Where's Oko? Where's Oko when you need him? He, Oko could have been Ooh. the king of Historic. It, that's what he needed. Oko needed a little bonus. He needed a little he help. Yeah. He wasn't good enough. Nope. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't good enough for vintage. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, Metallic Rebuke is the is the missing link, I guess. I guess this card with Cat Oven is yeah, kind of a tilt, pretty right? Pretty good, right? Yeah, I'm just, we'll see. I'm just saying, man. I think this card's going to show up somewhere, and when it does, it's going to be pretty good. Paradoxical Outcome is three and a blue for an instant rare and it says, return any number of target, non-land, non-token permanents you control to their owner's hand. Draw a card for each card returned to your hand in this way. So, I've played a ton of this card in various combo decks. Have you played a lot with this card? No. However, I have watched a lot of play with this card. And this card can do many, many things in many, many formats. So I have a lot of respect for how powerful this card is. Ideally, in Historic, we're probably looking at a deck with uh, Psy Master Thopterist, so that every time an artifact enters the battlefield, you make a 1-1 Thopter. And then you play Mox Ambers, you probably play Glint Nest Crane, you play Ornithopter. And hopefully there's some other cheap like artifacts that I'm forgetting about. I'm just going to say Ginger Brute, but play something better than that. <laughs> and you play uh, these cards, and you put a bunch of them on the battlefield. Then you cast Paradoxical Outcome, return the cheap ones to the owner's hand, um, and then replay them with the Psy. You get to make a bunch of Thopters. You draw a bunch of cards from the outcome, hopefully another outcome. And you get to do this basically again and again. It's kind of this endless value train of things entering the battlefield to gain value. Then when they leave the battlefield, you draw more cards to do more of that. This card, when it was in standard, 
had a key combo piece called Inspiring Statuary, I believe, mm. which is it was in Kaladesh which and was has not, not been reprinted. Printed. Yep. So, do we have the tools? I I'm not sure, but it's one of those things where you just have to try. Yeah. It, like it calls me. <laughs> It gets you so much, right? It gets you rebuys on your ETB effects. Even just doing something as simple as buying back a Torrential Gear Hulk will make some people salivate. So yeah, it's definitely more of a combo card than anything else. But just the the overall power level of it is too strong to be ignored. It seems really interesting with Underworld Breach, doesn't it? Oh, that you can baby. play all those. You can play all those zeros from your graveyard until your graveyard's empty. Then you can paradoxical outcome to get back the underworld breach and the zeros that you played from the graveyard. That's pretty devilish. Mm. This card does combine very, very well with cheap mana rocks and moxen and stuff. So um, yeah, a deck full of mind stones, mox amber, if there are any other cheap mana rocks in historic is just a great, that's a great starting point for a combo deck right there. And then you can just you know, you can kind of build out your your combo suite accordingly. But yeah, there, there will be one or more outcome decks in Historic as soon as the set is released, and I guess it'll just be up to us to figure out how good they are. All right, CGB, I want you to do the honors with us on this card because I know this is a card you are going to try, so lead us through it. T-Hulk, Torrential Gear Hulk, 4 Blue Blue mythic artifact creature construct five six with flash when it enters the battlefield you may cast target instant card from your graveyard without paying its mana cost if that spell would be put into your graveyard this turn exile it instead what do you think this is good or something uh this card (laughs) this card has occasionally been good in the past (laughs) i mean okay returning an instant like in standard pretty dominant you had disallow you had Vraska's contempt which exile things gain to life you had uh Gl- glimmer of genius you know draw two put two on the bottom and in standard it was pretty hard to beat that much value and the five six on its own could be a win con i don't think the five six on its own is going to be much of a reliable win con for historic nor do i think six mana is automatic but i think historic is going to have some freaking nutty instance to bring back the the one that comes to mind that was not in standard when this card was is sublime Sublime epiphany Epiphany. that was my first thought can copy the gear hulk and draw a card and counter a spell and bounce another permanent to continue the chain for as many sublime epiphanies as you can somehow relocate into your graveyard because if you copy the gear hulk to target another sublime epiphany you You, keep going keep going that's what i'm saying (laughs) so this is just this is another one of those cards where casting it for face value is good but if you have additional powerful stuff to do with it it just starts to get totally naughty if you have ways to blink it it gets very very good i mean imagine yarianing your gear hulk dude yeah, I am wondering, and I'll probably try this. Remember the Angel of Invention Godfarer's Gift deck that we talked about? Yes. What if our whole plan was just Stitcher's Supplier, chart a course, throw our graveyard, throw our deck into our graveyard, but instead of getting Angel of Invention, we're getting back Torrential Gear Hulk, who is activating two activating Sublime Epiphany or something else to make several copies all at once 
and just do that value explosion on turn four. Absolutely, absolutely. And you, you can refurbish the Gear Hulk. So that's a thing you could do if you have a graveyardy strategy. Yep. Yeah, this card, the power level is there. Whether the mana cost and everything lines up with the format, who knows? Whether you want another six cost card that does big things in your deck, who knows? But this is definitely one of the cards that I'm going to be looking to as like, this could just be another powerful mid-range threat in like your value deck or like a chonky control deck. Yeah, and it, do- it has a lot of combo possibilities as well. Yeah, people have talked about even though it's banned, they were talking anyway about wilderness reclamation. Sure. You know, or but I mean, in in standard, like this card existed with like they, there's still Nissa for mana doublers if you want to play this with Nissa, and there's still um, Scarab God, which this card in standard was best friends with. Yeah, to just get instant speed gear hulks from the graveyard. There's it's going to be fun if you've got the mythics. It's going to be fun. Just just like it's. It's got to be a consideration for Yori Index, right? I mean, think about, like, oh. Elspeth Conquer's death buying this back from the graveyard. That's gas, dude. That's such gas. As long as you've got some sweet, sweet instants. <laughs> I mean, true. that is the catch, right? <laughs> that is you the catch. You need instants. It's an incentive, anyway. It's an incentive to play some sweet instants. So, All right, so let's move on to black here. We have reached the card, which I think, and I think a lot of people think, is the most important inclusion in Historic from the set, and it is none other, the one, the only, Fatal Push. Do you want to read it? I do. So, Fatal Push. An instant for one black mana at uncommon. Destroy target creature if it has converted mana cost two or less. But wait, there's more. This employs the revolt mechanic we were talking about earlier, and this is definitely the main revolt card you're going to see in Historic. So, Revolt, again, that is, if a permanent left the battlefield under your control on the turn that you cast this, you can destroy that creature if it has converted mana cost four or less, okay? So, this kills two CMC or less in the vanilla version, and then if you did something like crack your Fabled Passage, or one of your things died, or you sacrifice, whatever, you get to destroy something of CMC four or less at instant speed, for one mana. If you have never had the pleasure slash dismay of playing against this card, you are in for a rude awakening. This is probably the most, no, I won't say the most, but it is one of the most efficient removal spells ever printed. And this is definitely a card that sees play in many, many, many formats. So it's just unbelievably powerful. Having your control opponent fatal push your first creature and basically just kind of steal the initiative back of the game you can just lose the spot, lose on the spot right there. So I don't know. Tell me, CGB, what you're thinking about with this card in Historic. Well, first of all, to people out there who think it's like worse Blood Chief's Thirst because they can't kick it, I will say don't underestimate the power of instant speed. It It is insanely helpful. When you consider how the opponent could Shark Typhoon out a 12-12 Shark, and if you're looking at a Sorcery Speed card in your hand, you could be dead, or you're looking at Fatal Push, and that's not a big deal, one mana, solved it, then you get an idea of what's going on. Same thing, this says destroy target creature, not non-land, blah, 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 so this shoots down Nissa lands on the spot mm-hmm. in combat, which is very, very Pretty nice. Good. So... I, I will we need to um we need to tell the people because I guarantee this is gonna happen so many times on day one. 
you can target any creature, but you only destroy it mm. if its converted mana cost matches the requirement of four or less if you have revolt and two or less if you don't. So if I fatal push a, a five casting cost creature, like that's a legal play you can make. It yeah. just won't kill it. Yeah. <laughs> and I know for a fact, because I've, I've been there. I've been there, guys, like a mere mortal. I've been there. You you can you just cast your fatal push and it just like hits the thing and bounces off and you're like what happened? So just because the fatal push is lit up and holding priority doesn't mean it's going to work. Correct. Yeah, it's it's kind of in the same camp as when you resolve your Elspeth conquers death and nothing happens to your opponent's board and you're like, "Oh." <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah, keep an eye out on that for sure. This is definitely a card in general where, like, double check that you revolted the thing. You know what I mean? Double check the costs, double check the revolt, double check everything. Just frickin' make sure that you actually did what you intended to do when you cast it. Because there's going to be a lot of user error on this one, I predict. Agreed. Yeah, but powerful card, craft for, don't look back. Put them in your black decks, I guarantee you this card is going to be absolute gas. There are some cards in the set that we already got, so we're skipping over them, such as Gonti and Gifted Etherborn, which are definitely mm -hmm. interesting cards, but we've already covered them. Noxious Gearhulk, CGB, why don't you read this for us? Noxious Gearhulk, the black addition to the Gearhulk family, is four black black for a 5-4 menace artifact creature construct. When it airs the battlefield, you may destroy another target creature. If a creature is destroyed this way, you gain life equal to its toughness. Big fatty chupacabra. Yeah, this is one where, like, it didn't see that much play in Standard. I imagine it's seeing even less play in Historic. Is there a place for it? No. Yeah. I, there's a better ways, cheaper ways, and mm -hmm. more efficient ways to kill creatures than paying six mana. And the 5-4 Menace body, I, I'm trying to think of what stats it would have to have to be good, but 5-4 Menace ain't it. Yeah, maybe if it was like a 7-6, <laughs> we could be talking. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. But yeah, six mana, y'all. Six mana, it turns out, is a lot of mana, especially in a format like Historic, where you could be doing... I mean, like, would you rather cast Nyssa on five or this on six? I know the answer that I can come up with. The cost is really the killer on this one. Moving on to red. Here's another card I want you to read, CGB, because I know that you have thoughts on this one. Take us through one of the best Chandras ever printed, Chandra Torch of Defiance. Dude, I don't want to read it. It's got four abilities. <laughs> so much tax. Okay, a two red red, four loyalty, Chandra Planeswalker, Get out your notebooks. Plus one, exile the top card of your library. You may cast that card. If you don't, Chandra Torch of Defiance deals two damage to each opponent. Plus one, add red red to your mana pool. Minus three, Chandra Torch of Defiance deals four damage to target creature. Minus seven, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell. This emblem deals five damage to any target. <sighs> Oof. That's a lot of abilities on a Planeswalker. Indeed. Yeah, so Chandra basically packs your lunch, does your taxes, and cleans the rats out of your sewage. <laughs> so, yeah, I, so th 
there's no question this is a very, very powerful Planeswalker. Don't underestimate this card. If you've never played with or against this card, it's just better. However good you think this card is, it's better than you think. So the real question is, how does it fit into Historic? I don't know. I, I, I think that red decks, like red aggressive and red burn decks, could all benefit from two or three copies in the 75 somewhere. I wonder if there's a place for Jund decks to play this possibly as well out of the sideboard as an alternative threat. And I'm trying to also think of where the plus one for the mana really fits in well, because there's probably something like that in the format. The red-black vehicle decks, uh, she was an all-star in those decks because she can crew Heart of Curin, uh, which is another card we're getting to. Maybe those vehicle decks will still run her. There's she's one of the best red planeswalkers can you think of another like a better red planeswalker i can't yeah off the top of my head i really can't this i mean so probably the best chandra ever so yeah she needs to be somewhere in the 75 of the aggressive red strategies that want to maybe get a little more card advantagey and mid-rangey after sideboards but i i feel like there's something i'm missing yeah i feel like there's also another place where chandra can go to town yeah well Okay, so if there's any kind of like big red deck or like chonky red deck, then Chandra's gonna fit right into that. I mean, she does essentially bridge you from five mana to seven mana on the turn you untap with her. So um, if you're trying to do any kind of go over the top big red strategy, you should definitely be playing her. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm thinking of like remember all the Chandra tribal cards? Yes. From what was <laughs> yes. that? M nineteen. Uh-huh. We got like Chandra's Pyre Cat or something that just taps for a red to cast a Chandra card and there's Chandra's regulator which duplicates the activated ability of a Chandra. It's like you could bring it all back with a really good freaking Chandra. This card has mid range written all over it. So Basically, any any red deck that wants any kind of mid-range game, either pre or post-board, definitely needs to be running it. I don't know, in any like Jeskai control deck, you'd probably want to be running some number of these, right? Tap out version, totally. And an Elspeth Conqueror's Death could get it back. The mm-hmm. plus one gets you to seven mana. What can you do with that? Inspired Ultimatum! I'm living in magical Christmas land. Or you could slam a Shark Typhoon. I don't know. Yep. It's interesting. Yep. And one of the things to remember about this card is that that two damage from the plus the first plus one ability adds up quite quickly. So it can be a good finisher, like you said, in aggressive decks. Yeah, it's just a very, 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 very solid card. If we're going to complete the cycle on the Gear Hulks, I have to say that this is one of the timmiest cards of all time. <laughs> like, like, in the world I lived in, in Magic Duels, people would, like, just... Like this card, this freaking card, man. I I can't tell you how many times I've lost to this card. (laughs) Okay. Well, do you lost the honors and read it then. Oh, (laughs) okay. Four red, red combustible gear hulk, six, six first strike artifact creature construct. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent may have you draw three cards. If the player doesn't, AE chooses not to have you draw three cards. You mill three cards instead, and Combustible Gear Hulk deals damage to the player equal to the total mana cost of those cards. Yeah, I mean, it's a powerful effect. I don't think any uh, competitive player is going to look twice at this card, but... I I mean, okay, we're going to get to a card 
that duplicates like triggered abilities. There's there's like Yarrick and oh, things like that's that. True. Um, I've seen I've I've had I've seen things, dude. <laughs> like I I've been scarred. Okay, I have thought I was fine, and my opponent flipped over Ulamog and Ugin. And <laughs> yeah, just, I, just just eighteen, 18 to the face. Yes. It can happen. <laughs> well, and here's the really thing, right? Can. People who play one combustible gear hulk usually can't but help playing four. So your opponent flipping another gear hulk is already pretty bad news for you. Yeah, this this card is it's what nightmares are made of. Because I can sit here and tell people it's bad all I want, but somebody's gonna get me with it and they're never gonna let me forget it. I mean, it hurts. Uh, it hurt. Like, either side of it hurts, right? Six mana, six, six, draw three cards. That's a pretty good card, all right? Yeah, it is. And then six mana, six, six, deal your opponent hopefully five to ten damage. Eh, maybe not quite as good, but still very, very good. I mean, okay, here's the problem. Like, when I play this card, it's just never going to deal my opponents any damage ever, if it even resolves. So. Oh, likewise. The same. Yes, I've never killed somebody with Combustible Gear Hulk. I've never done anything interesting with Combustible Gear Hulk. These are the things that only happen to you, not for (laughs) you. (laughs) Exactly. So take notes of that, players. If you're the kind of person who, like, always nuts on your opponent when you're playing your stupid red deck, then (laughs) then stop stop building with this card. (laughs) You know who you are, nutters. No, I mean, is the glass half full or half empty? That's the question you ask before crafting this card. If you're one of those people who, like, plays that 14 mountain red deck and gets away with it, then, then you're the kind of person who needs to play this card. This next card could be an interesting inclusion in aggro red decks, so why don't you read this for us, CDB? Karizev, Skyship Raider, one and a red, one, three, first strike menace, legendary, human pirate, at rare. When Karizev attacks, create Ragavan, the two, one, legendary, red monkey, creature token. Ragavan enters the battlefield tapped and attacking, and exile that token at the end of combat. So, in a nutshell, you have a one, three, first strike menace for two, that... When it attacks, you get this other 2-1 attacker thingy, and now the opponent has to block the two bodies or stop them somehow. It's actually, um, if you put it together, it's 3-3 power in stats uh, for two mana, with some of it having first strike and menace. The, the, The part that you want to kill is harder to block. Yeah, this is... Okay, so right off the bat... This card's pretty sweet in an Embercleave deck, right? Two bodies, cheaper Embercleave. The sword is lit. We are legit. And uh, you can play it with the mana from your Burning Tree Emissary. Oh, baby, you are talking. Yeah, that's true. This does definitely open up, like, turn three Embercleave pretty consistently, I would say. Yeah, even without Lanoir Elves, yep. it does. Yep, so that's pretty gas. If you're thinking about, like blocking if you're someone who likes blocking it takes exactly three creatures to be able to block all of the damage from kari zev so yeah not a fun card for anyone who's who's trying to block and that three toughness gets around stomp yeah it's true gets around the bone crusher giants it's true and if you have yeah any other kind of buffing that can happen if you're running like a rimrock knight style of a deck this is a very very good card to play with buffs so yeah, overall, Karizev, there's a lot to like about her. 
it feels like you're you just can't ever block her ever because if she's on the field you're probably threatening Embercleave with her attack already so if they do put two creatures in front of her that are going to kill her through the first strike anyway and then Embercleave comes in yeah oh my god that's just so bad yeah that's it's rough that's a train wreck it's rough like, i mean she's unblockable she does have low power so that's something to consider with an Embercleave, she doesn't get very big which kind of sucks but that's probably about the only knock on Kari's Ev, I would say. Just also another side note, if you can figure out like ways to make her unblockable or if you're trying to sky maul her or something, she could get very annoying because she basically becomes like a geist of St. Traft. So yeah, I don't know. There's a lot to like about Kari's Ev. Geist of St. Traft. I hope we have that in Arena someday. For now, you're just, you're just a boomer for mentioning it. That has <laughs> got to enter Historic at some point, right? Oh my God, what a nightmare. So, I don't know, is it time for us to just talk about energy? Because the, the first card on this list, yeah, is a card that was banned, and uh, if energy is playable in Historic, this card will definitely be in the deck. So, let's talk about a tune with Ether. One green mana, sorcery, search a library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. You get two energy. So this card was basically, in the energy deck, it basically read you get two free energy. Yeah. That was the basic outcome of running this card in your deck, which it turned out ended up being a bannable offense. Yeah, they banned a tune with Aether because it was one of the cards that produced energy at very low cost and then made all the energy cards that you could play around it just, I guess they thought, too good. I think the real thing about that format and the energy mechanic, I don't know if it's busted by current standard but it was busted by what surrounded it like why would you why would you play a regular game of magic when you could instead be playing this version of magic where you have this extra resource in the background and all your cards were just a little bit above rate because of it and i historic i don't think is going to have that problem of the rest of the format not being able to keep up with the energy cards. We're going to talk about some of these energy cards. They're not particularly intimidating. Bristling Hydra is sitting here next to a tune with Aether. It's a two green green four three. When it enters the battlefield, you get three energy, and you can pay three energy to put a counter on Hydra, and it gains hexproof until end of turn. And in its time, this was a very this was considered an extremely annoying card in standard. And in historic, I picture this being like obnoxious but at four mana i just think the opponents are just going to be ramping over the top with nissa and krasis and they're going to play uro and it feels like they're not going to care about bristling hydra very much yeah goblins um, doesn't give a fluff about hydra oh man muxus is down you know you can have your four three i'm coming with the team and it it just seems like everything is bigger than the energy deck with one exception and that, I don't know how deep you want to go before we get to it. It's at the end because it's an artifact. And that's Aetherworks Marvel. Now, the Attune with Aether and Rogue Refiner, another card we're going to talk about, were banned in an era of energy when energy was actually, by modern standards, a pretty fair mid-range deck. You know, it, it early game was about a little bit of advantage. Mid game was about play a few threats. And late game was about grinding out advantage with your energy that you accumulated and some card draw. Actually, that got banned because it was the only good deck going on and people found it boring. 
And it was a long standard rotation, two years of just playing the same cards. You could say it was the adventure, the team or adventure deck of its time yeah, in a way. It like was. Clover was banned for similar reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think this is broken, but the version that might have been broken was the Aetherworks Marvel version, which, yeah. which basically converted the energy into these giant free spells. Yep. Yeah, the Aetherwax Marvel Ulamog combo was a, you know, a classic turn for a kill, basically. So we'll probably get to that in more detail coming up. But this is something for to pay attention to as we start talking about these energy cards, is just that they're more powerful than the sum of their parts. Whenever you read any of them, you think, oh, that looks pretty good. But just bump all the energy cards up like 10 to 20% because they're just better than you think they are. So we read the Attune with Ether. We read one of the payoffs, Bristling Hydra. Um, sandwiched in between the two of these, I did just want to mention Blossoming Defense. We complained about this not being reprinted in Standard, but we do get it in Historic, and it is a fairly strong spell. One green mana instant target creature you control gets plus two, plus two, and gains Hexproof until end of turn. So one of the best combat tricks ever printed. Blanks an opponent's removal spell, makes your creature massive. If you are thinking about running Ranger's Guile in Historic, then Blossoming Defense is just almost strictly better. I don't know, a solid, probably, inclusion in the sideboard of like a green Stompy deck if you're playing against Control. So whether or not this shows up, I don't know, but it's a powerful enough card. I think it's worth knowing that it exists. CGB, do us the honors. One of the main energy payoff creatures, Long Tusk Cub, what does it do? It's one in a green for a 2-2 cat. And when Long Tusk Cub deals damage to a player, you get two energy. Now you may pay two energy at any time to put a plus one, plus one counter on Long Tusk Cub. A little bit of a whirling dervish dreadhorde butcher action going on where it hits the opponent and you can put a counter on it, but it's optional. You can also just stockpile the energy. In the decks that were aggressive with energy, this was immediately a threat turn one attune with aether turn two long tusk cub was already potentially a three three attacker that threatened to get bigger or just stockpile more energy every turn i'm curious to see if that holds up on a good day long tusk cub was basically tarmogoyf it's a card that can be answered and if long tusk cubs start running away with the format we have fatal push to kind of rein them in a little bit it's hard to imagine this card again being as good as it used to be I'm not very enthusiastic for the Cub, to be honest. Yep, yep. Magic's just come away since this card was printed, but it was very strong, and uh, if an energy deck is good, then we could very well see it return. I think we could see it in the Aetherworks Marvel decks as a sideboard swerve, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. People take out their fatal pushes because they're up against an Ulamog trick deck, and in comes Longtusk Cub, and just got them on turn two. It is the perfect juke, for sure. It is. So, yeah. It's a versatile card, and it does note that it does power itself up. So every time it deals damage, you get two more energy. So if it goes unchecked, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Is this Nissa worth talking about? Well, do you like... To, if you've already got four Nissas in your deck and you want number five... This is probably your number five Nissa, Vital Force. This is a three and a green with five loyalty. Nissa Planeswalker at Mythic. The plus one untaps... Stop me if you've heard this before. Untap target land you control until end of turn. That That is important. Or until end of next turn. I'm sorry. 
No, until your next turn. Your next turn. Mm -hmm. Okay, all this stuff is different, and it's all important, (laughs) dang it. Until your next turn, it's a 5-5 elemental with haste that's still a land. You can block with it, but then it goes back to normal eventually. The minus three is return target permanent card from the graveyard to your hand, and the minus six is you get an emblem with whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. There are five loyalty on this Planeswalker. And it's a minus six for that emblem that whenever you play a land, you draw a card. Comes up quick. I'm going to mention that because there's this card called Elspeth Conquers Death that brings a Planeswalker out with an additional loyalty oh, counter. snap. That is so you nasty. Can, you can make the emblem right away and for the rest of your hopefully dirtily control mage life, draw a card with every land drop you hit. Okay, you have my attention with that one combo right there. I mean, a 5-5 five, five haste when she comes down is pretty banging, right? Like, pay 5, get a 6 loyalty planeswalker and a 5-5 five, five haste creature. Mm-hmm. Like she can go, she can go kill a Teferi, Hero oh, of Dominaria, yeah. if they aren't prepared for that. Yeah. Definitely. And if you don't feel like attacking with that land, it does block. So mm-hmm. that's that's the thing to remember as well. And and then she has a Balaged recovery on her as well. So um, overall, a strong card. I don't know though. I mean, like th- I think that's the real question: is do you want Nissa number five? I mean, there are things I want to do with Nissa number five. I. I'll use the minus three to get the Elspeth Conquer's death back. Then they'll attack my Nissa. Then I'll ECD their threat. Then I'll get back the Nissa. Okay, the Dirtily Control Mage in me loves this, but is it actually going to be tier one historic? Do you actually need more Nissa? Probably not, to be honest. But why not? Um, if you're down for using a mythic wild card to do something different for a change, have some fun. Play Nissa. I mean, that emblem combined with Oros and all that kind of other stuff or Fabled Passages or whatever is going to get out of control super, super fast. I don't know. There's a lot to like about Nissa Vital Force. Yeah, you had me at ECD, basically. And I know you love that card. I I do love that card. (laughs) (laughs) Asterisk. Okay. Let's get back to another Gear Hulk, which I actually could see some play. I don't know. Verderous Gear Hulk, three green green, artifact creature, mythic, four four, trample. When Verderous Gear Hulk enters the battlefield, distribute four plus one plus one counters among any number of target creatures you control. So this card is in fact a beating. It either comes down as an 8-8 trample or just completely powers up your team and does all kinds of other stuff. So in my green stompy decks, I'd definitely be considering running at least one of these. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, I wouldn't say, like, I don't know if this is powerful enough for Historic, but it was definitely a haymaker in its time. I would never play this without the ability to abuse the plus one, plus one counter synergy somehow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Conclave Mentor and Winding Constrictor are options. Yep. They did not print Walking Ballista, which I think was the best thing, the BFF for this card that made it very good. Um, So Walking Ballista could turn plus one, plus one counters into direct damage to any target. And uh, without that, I'm not very high on Verdurous Gear Hulk, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. The base power level of the card is very strong, and like you said, if you have something to do with those counters, it's great. If you have ways to blink it, it can get better. A creature with a ton of value. All right, so that's all of the monocolored cards in the set, and 
Let's just talk briefly about a few of these multicolored cards because they were some of the more powerful cards in the set. One of the cards that was banned in the energy strategy is called Rogue Refiner. This is one green blue for a creature human rogue, 3-2. When it ETBs, you draw a card and you get two energy. So cantripping 3-2 that gives you energy was deemed too powerful for standard. So um, if there is a team or energy deck in Historic, this should almost certainly go into it. It is funny that they had to ban this card and then Hydroid Crisis, you know, just went unscathed and Uro made it a long time. Yep. Isn't that absurd yep. to think about? Things but have come this along. Card, uh, this card I think we'll see play in, in specifically the Aetherworks Marvel deck, but I don't think anywhere else because I don't think three mana, three, two draw a card aged very well i think i think that the format is more powerful than that but it will have spots it's a niche player yeah absolutely it is a rogue yeah. if you want to get you get your rogue tribal on you want to put green in your demir rogue love it now you're talking yeah i'm just gonna skip down here to well of virtuoso that's another sure. cut that um you know was a player in the energy deck uh, one blue, red, two, three, creature of a Dalkin Artificer. When it ETBs, you get three energy, and you can pay three energy to make a one, one colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. So this is one of those cards that's more powerful than you think it is. Being able to make an army of tokens is actually rather strong. So um, consider running this in your energy decks. I don't, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It was kind of the payoff during that fair era of energy. And now I think its job is just to make Aetherworks Mar- Marvel go vroom. <laughs> yep. Slash, you know, cover your butt while you're trying to do that. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned it before. Read for us Winding Constrictor. Black, green, two, three, creature, snake. If one or more counters would be put on an artifact or creature you control, that many plus one of each of those kinds of counters are put on that permanent instead. That is a really wordy way of saying it gets one more. If you would get, as in the player, the controller of the constrictor, if you would get one or more counters, you get that many plus one of each of those kinds of counters. So energy, for example... You get one more! Yes. So Winding Constrictor was the Conclave Mentor of its day, and it is a better version of that card in almost every way. Um, This card was very powerful. It enabled, you know, several decks in Standard, one of which I think won a GP. So very, very strong card, and definitely a reason to be doing countery stuff. You know, the mana's good enough in Historic to run an Abzan counters deck, so I wonder if we're going to see something like that. Oh, you'll see it. Have fun Have fun pushing it around. You, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> I get what you're saying. It's, um, yeah, it's going to be something. You, you know who you are, right? You Abzan counters players, you know who you are. Get this card. But stop stop trying to brainwash the blue mages. They're never going for it. Just <laughs> just stop trying to push your little plus one plus one counter ways onto blue mages. We're not we're immune to that. It doesn't even excite us. Not even a little. It's gonna work someday, CGB. Stop it. Just Wrath of God. Give it get to out. us. <laughs> Wrath of God, I'm done with you. Go away. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'll go back to Commando where I belong. 
Okay, we've been referencing this card all day, so let's just get it on the table. CGB, read Etherworks Marvel for us. Etherworks Marvel is a four-mana legendary artifact that is mythic. Rip wild cards. <laughs> Whenever a permanent you control is put into a graveyard, you get an energy. That's pretty good. Tap, pay, pay six energy. Look at the top six cards of your library. You may cast a spell from among them without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom in any in a random order. So this card back in the day, they made a deck and the whole goal of the deck was to get down Marvel on four and cast Ulamog or I don't know, whatever your follow-up powerful play was, right? Big brain, big, big brain magic right there. Indeed, indeed. There was even, I think, a hot moment where people were Emra cooling off of Etherworks Marvel, which was as gas as it sounds. So, not kidding, Pro Tour Kaladesh, I watched this coverage recently. Pro Tour Kaladesh, it was like round three or something. This is like two weeks after set release. Somebody Aetherworks marveled into an into an Ulamog, and the next turn Aetherworks marveled into an, em- an Emrakul. Oh my gosh. That is just... Okay, that's some grade A nonsense right there, for sure. Do you want to know what my favorite play sequence with this card was? I, there was some player, it's some rando, not like a well-known pro, was playing a Marvel deck. And they were playing against Hall of Famer Marcio Carvalho. So Marcio's playing an aggressive deck, and he's playing against Etherworks Marvel. And he is expecting the Marvel to flip. And he thinks that an Ulamog is coming, so he commits his entire hand to the board because he wants to go as wide as he can to try to get around the Ulamog. And this player flips the Marvel and casts a board wipe. And people weren't doing that at the time. They weren't running board wipes in their Marvel decks. And like watching, I mean, I thought that Carvalho's eyebrows were just going to rip off the top of his head. Like <laughs> he just. It, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful Yeah, thing. I want to say it was like a fumigate, right? Yeah, it cast a, <laughs> just yeah, a fumigate. Just freaking You know, a five mana sorcery instead of a ten mana win the game. But <laughs> still good. Still good at instant speed. That's the something we didn't talk about. You may cast the spell without paying its mana cost means at the time that you're resolving the Marvel activation. So whatever spell you find, you can play at instant speed. Like when you activate the Marvel. Yep. So the the real question again is, is this strong enough for Historic? I don't think it matters early on because yeah. people are going to do stuff with it because as much as they came to hate Aetherworks Marvel and it was banned, and for good reason, people were like, oh my god, it's so random. Well, look at look at the game we have now. Look at Winota, you know? So I I think even though people love to hate on these cards, they also kind of love playing these cards as long as they're the one playing them not the one getting played so i think we're going to see a ton of this card i do think it's good enough for historic but i want to give a quick history lesson because the way that aetherworks marvel worked out in the long run in its time in standard it wasn't the decks that were trying to hit ulamog that 
turned out to be the best Marvel decks. It was just the decks playing this fair game plan with a few like six and sevens, like some some powerful but not too expensive cards in their deck, right? Uh, that they could hit off the Marvel. Uh, so that they were just playing good cards in their deck and they didn't have a hand where they accidentally drew three Ulamogs and died. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so one of the cool things with Aetherworks Marvel right now is you can run all these seven mana mythic spell lands from Zendikar Rising. That's a cool so that, idea. Yeah. So you, you have all these seven mana cards in your deck that are lands, and it makes it so your Marvel is cheating on mana more often. Getting those effects for free is way better for the most part. Obviously not Agadim's Awakening and Shatter Skull Smashing. We're talking Turn Timber Symbiosis, Amiria's Call, maybe Seagate Restoration. Like th- That's pretty exciting. And aside from that, just... We talked about Torrential Gearhulk and Sublime Epiphany. <laughs> like, hitting Sublime Epiphany with this sounds so nuts. It sounds crazy. Could we see a world in which we have maybe, like, some kind of Tima ramp deck, which which plays the Marvel and tries to hit, you know, Ugin's, maybe... Uh, sure. You know, Genesis Ultimatum. Genesis Ultimatum. Yeah, yep. and Genesis Ultimatum can hit more energy cards and another Marvel. At instant oh, yeah. speed, by the way. So, oh, yeah, baby. And I mean, come on. Like, if you spin your Marvel and the worst thing that you hit is a Nissa, that's not bad, right? If you didn't have a Nissa, free Nissa. That's pretty good. Free free instant speed Nissa. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. So, I don't know. We, we could see something like that. That could be pretty gas, I think. I think you're right. That sounds awesome. Yep. Basically, put this into existing good decks and uh, see what happens. Next card on the list that CGB hates, which I am going to read just because he hates, but which you will see played in his start, all right? Beaumont Karia, fan favorite. It is an artifact creature costing one colorless mana. It is a 1-1 creature construct with haste. Whenever it attacks, exile the top card of your library face down. Then, at instant speed at any point, you can pay red and discard your hand, sacrifice Beaumont Courier, put all the cards exiled with Beaumont Courier into their owner's hands. So, this was an annoying little, like, kind of janky attacker, which just quietly builds up card advantage until you've run your red deck out of gas, and then you just sacrifice it and refill your hand and keep the beats coming. So you seem to think this is going to see play in his dark? It will because some people love it. It will because decks I like to play hate it because I don't want to spend my time trying to kill your one man on one one. I want to accumulate some value, gain some life, wrath the board, and then take over with Teferi. But Bomat Courier laughs at that strategy because you can't ignore this card. Once it has three or four cards underneath it, if I go to wrath the board, the opponent just like draws a new hand. Yep. It's, it's so infuriating. I think the card is trash against, say, Gruel Aggro or anything with Mayhem Devil, but it's so good against control decks that there's no way the Red Mages won't run it. Yeah. It, it is just sweet, and it's fun, and it's an, it's all the things you said, and it's all the things that Red Mages love to do, right? I called it terrible and annoying. What, what are you... <laughs> I mean, it is that, too. <laughs> sweet and fun and all the things you said ah magic is complicated oh my gosh yeah no basically yeah if if you're like a red aggro mage consider putting some of these in your sideboard um you you get your money's worth out of it for sure things start to get crazy when you have like light up the stage and beaumont courier and 
It's just like the it's messed the up, co- it's unnatural. <laughs> the cause shouldn't be allowed. Trees just spiral out of control, nope. man. Whoever Not thought okay. that red would draw so many cards? Give me back ancestral recall, and I'll be okay <laughs> with this. Speaking of vehicles, this seems to be the one playable vehicle that we actually got in this set. So read us this card, CDB. So it's it's playable because it's such a hitter. Like it is, it hits. Uh, this is two mana. Heart of Kirin. This is two mana mythic 4-4 legendary artifact vehicle. I'm sensing a trend. There are a lot of cards we're calling playable that are mythic. (laughs) Anyway, Flying Vigilance, Crew 3. So you have to tap. Uh, People should know how vehicles work. They've been in sets, but you need a three power creature or assembled three power of creatures. But this is the this is the this is kind of the fun little bonus line of text here. You may remove a loyalty counter from a planeswalker you control rather than pay Heart of Kirin's crew cost. So in its day, that wasn't very important. It was nice with Chandra, but for the most part, planeswalkers weren't that important. I mean, but, Gideon, Ally of Zendikar, dude. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That that I'm, I'm thinking of the standard after that rotate, but you're right. Gideon was a definitely a crewer. Yeah. No problem. He'll be coming along, you know, with the next yeah, we'll, few remasters. We'll but um, I, I'm i thinking of all the War of the Spark Planeswalkers, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, can oh, you imagine yeah. if we still had Teferi with Heart of Kirin? Dude, think about how amazing Heart of Kirin plays with Nyssa. Like, I, I don't want to. Like Crew <laughs> 3, they were made for each other, man. Narset? Oh, Narset, like, yeah. Oh, Narset protects herself now. It's true. You know, she usually has that one extra activation where she just sits there on one loyalty and dies. But now if the opponent attacks her, you just crew up your 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, you're right. This this card does play very well with three mana planeswalkers. It's a nice curve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Royal Scions just got that power boost they've been looking Dude, for. Dude, that's actually one of my favorite janky combos. It lets you hit for six in the air on turn three. That's that's pretty fun, man. I'm I'm legitimately upset that there is no way to make Oko legal just to experience <laughs> oh, what this plus Oko would have been. <laughs> nightmare, dude. That's a nightmare. The only answer to that is your opponent's Oko. Yeah, yeah, you have to you have to elk the heart of Kieran. <laughs> but then they just then you just attack your opponent's Oko with the food token that you elk and your elked heart of Kieran and their Oko's dead. So like the best answer to it doesn't stop your Oko. Why are we talking about Oko mirrors? Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. <laughs> uh the world would look very myself. different if we could still play Oko. But yeah, Heart of Kieran is a destroyer. This card smashes face, it also blocks very well it does both because it has vigilance so um also just a great thing to put your summoning sick creatures into so for people who never played this card cgb are we playing this in a deck without planeswalkers yeah you can play it without planeswalkers because as long as you have cheap cards that can crew the heart of kirin that add up to three power pretty easily or just come with three power you can play this card how many you want to play is going to be a little questionable. Like your green aggressive deck or your Jund Mayhem Devil Woe Strider deck might want one or two, right? Because they're legendary. You don't want to draw multiples, mess your draw up. If you're a collected company deck, you really have to question whether or not you run this card because it's not a hit for collected company. But it 
this this thing is a slugger, and uh, it's I, I think it's going to be worth considering in a number of different builds. So here's a few interesting things that you can do with Heart of Kirin, all right? Playing this on turn two, and then playing a Oro on turn three. Pretty, oh, no. pretty solid little combo right there. You, you can use full control. To, you have to turn on full control, but yeah, before you sacrifice the Uro, you can use it to crew the Heart of Kirin. Yep. yep, so you can do some fun little stuff like that. It can be surprisingly good at killing your opponent's Planeswalkers, so if you're having problems with your opponent's Nyssa, for example, uh, this can be a good way to just double-tap her, get her out of there. So we can play Heart of Kirin in, in Planeswalker light or decks that don't play Planeswalkers. How many Planeswalkers are we playing before we consider putting Heart of Kirin in our, like, mostly planeswalker deck you're playing a mostly planeswalker deck well I, who cares okay I, I phrased it wrong <laughs> a deck like that doesn't really play creatures but that does play planeswalkers how many we like a control deck for example would you ever run this in like a control deck with 12 planeswalkers probably not okay i mean it, it does depend on how much those planeswalkers cost I don't know if you're running like four Narsets and an Ashiok and uh, some other three mana Planeswalker like a Jace. I don't know. Maybe it depends. Maybe in your deck with uh, the Amonkhet Gideon. Okay. Yeah. Like Grix is super friends. Just have at it or <laughs> something like that. Why not? Well, it's a very versatile and very powerful card. If you want to play this card, don't go nuts with it. All right. Like craft one, craft two and kind of see how it goes, all right? This is not a craft for and jam them into your deck kind of a mythic, so so get get that out of your head right now. I'm going to do that, though. Marty Vehicles, let's go. Craft Just, four. Mm, mm. Yep. Give it mm-hmm. to me. So yeah, I will. Let's talk about I'm just that. Just gonna give it to let's you. Let's talk about that deck briefly. Motto Vehicles was a very, very good, very fast, very aggressive deck in standard. It played the Toolcraft Exemplar. It did play Heart of Kirins. Um, it played some Planeswalkers like the Chandra that we talked about today. We don't have some of the Planeswalkers it played, but we could find some stand-ins if we wanted to. It played a card we didn't read in this set review, but Unlicensed Disintegration. That's a pretty strong removal spell. If you have artifacts, it deals damage to your opponent if you do. But I would say that we're missing some of the pieces that made it good, like Thraben Inspector, for example. Thraben Inspector was fine, but when, yeah, I, I'm confident that we'll find good aggressive options lurking about. So pay attention to CGB's channel in the coming weeks, because he'll probably be taking some version of the deck for a spin in historic why not should be fun have that nostalgia okay a card you're probably going to see in some tribal decks in historic is called metallic mimic two colorless artifact creature shapeshifter at two one as it etbs choose a creature type uh the metallic mimic is the chosen type in addition to its other types each other creature you control of the chosen type enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it so this is definitely a tribal payoff kind of a card powerful enough for historic i mean you can't stop the merfolk vampire nerds from doing what they're gonna do you just can't stop them and this card is just more reason to do it indeed this is one of those cards where like it looks powerful but then i always think i could either play this or i could just play a relevant creature of the type that I want to play instead. For example, you don't want to play this in Goblins with Muxus no. because it won't get hit by Muxus. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to play that. And and you just you have other goblins you want to play, right?、Mm -hmm. So I think the question is like which deck exactly wants.、Uh, maybe if you have a tribe that's like a couple short, you know. Yeah, elves, goblins, merfolk are probably itching for it. I, okay, I'm I'm, I'm exposing. I might not be a completely soulless control psychopath. I kind of want to try it in rogues. Ah, interesting, interesting. What's the big draw though in rogues? The the creatures aren't that powerful. Yeah, now they are. Makes the counter. Yeah, yeah. They just you just make them a little bit bigger so they can go toe to toe with the things because they're already cheap. You've got Kind of lord effects, but now you've got like rate, like good rate outside of thieves guild enforcer. You have solid rate cards, and I don't know. I'm interested. Here's another nice thing about it: if you're playing like a, a two color or three color, like an aggro tribal deck, for example, the mimic can be nice because it's just colorless, right? You can just fill out your curve if you're having、yep. mana troubles. So it's kind of a nice thing about it too. So yeah, this card's seen play in in a variety of formats. So you know, don't write it off. So you alluded to this card earlier. Saffron Olive is probably gonna not be able to peel himself away from Arena for the next ever. Basically, now that this card is on Arena, why don't you read Panharmonicon for us? All right, but if I do that, you have to tell me what you're going to do with it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you start thinking about that.、Deal. Panharmonicon, four colorless for an artifact rare. If an artifact or creature entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Some quick examples to give Arjuna a minute would be like it's a lot like Yarik, right?、Um, but not a land. Yarik triggered like any permanent entering the battlefield. This is a creature artifact. But if a creature or artifact triggers an enchantment, it creates two of that effect.、Uh, an example is Mirror March. There would be two coin flips because the creature entering the battlefield caused the mirror march to trigger. Now that I have explained this, what are you doing with this this pile of nonsense? You know what I was trying to figure out is like what artifacts are we going to abuse with this? If you play a golden egg with this out, you draw two cards, right? Wow, you you went for the moon on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty gas. <laughs> Because okay, there's so many ETB creatures, right? But we rarely get like a artifact ETB doubler. So okay, I'm okay, kind of excited about that. Glass casket, yeah, puts two creatures under it, and you can Yorian to get the glass casket after you've played the harm, both before you play the harmonicon, and then you do it again after you have the harmonicon. Yeah, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Okay,、um, so a new example of a creature that got pretty good with this is the Skyclave Shade. Yeah, yeah, that 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 card is hype. That's gonna be <laughs> that card's pretty、amazing. gas, right? Sure, just two exile effects. It's kind of a kind of glorious. Boom! Absolutely. Yeah. Done. Got him.、Um, all right. Let me. I, I I'm not like the eminent Yarok player, so I can't like <laughs> I can't just rattle off a list of combos. You did mention it earlier, the、uh, torrential Gearhulk or any of the Gearhulks really can、yeah. abuse Here, this card. Here's the other thing. This this isn't legendary. Yeah, that's true. So so you can like Mythos of a Luna to make another one, or you know whatever garbage you want to play.、Um, <laughs> I don't know. You can have if you figure out how to get like two or three of these on the battlefield. Just it gets 
It gets funny. It gets really funny really yep. fast. I mean, you can have a lot of fun with your bar and Talarian Archmage. Bounce all the fools. Oh, okay. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Big Hold brain up. moment here. Boom. Edgewall Innkeeper triggers twice, right? If an No, because it's a cast ability, right? Is it a cast? Okay. So it says a artifact or creature entering, entering the battlefield. Entering the battlefield. Causes. All right. Yeah. Woo. Well, we dodged a bullet Jeez. there because that would have been... You were looking to do a Lucky Clover deck. Oh my gosh, you're so predictable. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I know what I like, man. I guess so, man. How about Combustible Gear Hulk? <laughs> yeah, it's, solid. it's a solid choice. Can't argue with that. How about Terror of the Peaks? Mm? Mm? That's pretty nasty. That's a lot of damage. I don't like it because it ends the game too quickly. You're supposed to just accumulate more nonsense. How about Oro and Kroxa? Well, you'd have to sacrifice them twice. That sounds like a pretty <laughs> steep ask. pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Oro drawing uh, two cards and gaining six life is kind of disgusting. Kind of amazing, right? It's, yeah, yeah, it's Okay, nice. so there's a lot. There's a lot basically happening. This does work with the constrictor we were talking about earlier. If... It depends. If, if it's an ETB effect, I guess. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. I want to see some kind of Beast Whisperer shenanigans going off with Panhard. That's a cast thing. effect. Oh, is it? Damn it. I think it is. Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought it was. All of all of my favorite combos don't work. <laughs> you're just, you're I'm just over miserable. It. I'm, over I'm it. off it. I'm off it. Move along. <laughs> Somebody's going to tell me I'm wrong about Beast Whisperer, and if so, that's fine. <laughs> anyway, the point is... This card is, is janky and fun. It's probably not good enough for Historic, but people are going to try it, and it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. Strong agree. It is, it is a very fun card. That with Genesis Ultimatum is probably even more nonsense. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so basically, if you want to know all of the things you can do with Panharmonicon, uh, just follow Saffron Olive for the next month, and you will learn exactly all of the nonsense you can get up to with this card. It's basically his favorite magic card ever printed. So if you're not familiar with Saffron Olive, he's a member of uh, MTG Goldfish. They have an awesome podcast, and uh, they also release cool content on YouTube. Saffron's just a, a great content creator. Okay, there's a bunch of other fun artifacts, but in the interest of everyone's time, we're going to skip over them here. But we do have to talk about some important lands which are being added to the pool because um, these are some of the some of the stronger lands in Magic's history, to be honest. Quickly, we'll start with Ether Hub. This isn't in the category of strongest, but it's still worth looking at. When it ETBs, you get an energy. It taps to add a colorless, and you can tap and pay energy to add one mana of any color. So in any energy deck, this is basically a five-color land. That's pretty good. Yeah, which is kind of nuts. Yep. Just, uh, just, just that is an energy payoff for sure. It is. So lots of ether hubs will get used. It is for and, sure, and it gives you a free energy. So if you don't need to use that energy, like if you if your other lands are providing all the colored mana you need, then you just got spots at a free energy, which is awesome. I think the the real headliner here is that this set contains fast lands. Now, yep. fast lands are basically they're almost like the opposite of fabled passage. So. Let's, let's read an example here. Blooming Marsh. These are all at rare, by the way. Blooming Marsh enters the battlefield tapped unless you control two or fewer other lands, and it taps to add green or black. So these are dual lands which pay you off for playing them early. 
Um, and so decks that are really excited about these fast lands are like aggro decks, slash any deck that cares about getting on the board turn one, turn two. Uh, several things, because they actually create really unique deck building choices in Historic. First of all, there are five of these, and they are the what, what is known as the enemy colors. So there's green and black, there's black and white, there's blue and green, there's red and white, and there's blue, and there's um, red, red and blue. blue. Yep. So... Uh, no, like Azorius, no blue-white, no blue-black, like Demir, no red-black, like Rakdos. And the reason that's important is because the checklands are already in Historic, which that, you know, Drowned Catacomb, Rootbound Craig, and those require a basic land type to enter the battlefield untapped, like in Rootbound Craig's case, a forest or a mountain. Whereas the these... These uh, Concealed Courtyard, Botanical Sanctum, the Fastlands, they are not a land type, so they do not have, like, plains and mountain on them in the case of Inspired Vantage. So it you can see that it, it's kind of weird. If you want to run the Checklands, you need to play with, like, regular basics or cards with a type, like Sacred Foundry and the Shocklands, right? Oh, the Triomes, yeah. Or the Triomes, yep. But if you're going to play with fast lands, you probably can't play those in a deck that also has check lands because you need the types. So the shock lands, the like you still can play shock lands with these very easily. But it's it's interesting because if you're playing an enemy colored group of cards, you probably don't play the check lands at all. You probably play the fast lands instead along with the shock lands. And it makes the aggressive mana bases really good in in the in the decks that ha have like inspired van like a fast land and a shock land like those aggressive mana bases now have eight dual lands of one color pair so for the first time in a long time like th three and possibly even four color aggro decks that curve out with good mana are reasonably playable but you don't want check lands in those decks so the, the deck building restrictions are interesting and compounding them is Nissa who shakes the world because none of these fast lands are forests, which so none of them will double their mana output with Nissa. So you really have to look at what your deck's trying to do. A Nissa deck might not want any of these or might want fewer of these. A buddy colored deck or mostly buddy colored deck like Gruel or Naya probably has no use for these but a Boros deck or a black white deck or a Mardu deck probably wants to run a lot of these and none of the check lands so at least for a little while we're going to have to rethink mana bases in historic based on these cards and they will I think in the long run be the most played cards in historic from Kaladesh Remastered yeah I would agree with that. When you look at any given format, the number of playable lands in that format, they come down to these clutch cycles, and they really lay out the foundation of what's possible in a format. So having a cycle like this added to Historic is huge. It's hard to convey how important mana bases are to what is possible in a format, uh, the kinds of things that you're aspiring to do. So um, just take notes of these because we don't get these every set. Shocklands, checklands, fastlands, triomes, they only come around once in a while. 
and they're extremely important. So that alone would be a reason to invest in some packs or, or you know, play some limited or however you want to get your hands on this set um, to get your hands on some of these, I think is a, is important. Yeah. And I would say there haven't like in three color decks, we've kind of the turn one thought sees has cost us four life yeah. for, for a while really now, you know, and now doesn't really have to these these are pain-free lands yep and that's you know that's one of the interesting things is people think that you just play these in aggro decks but i actually remember a fair number of control decks playing these as well oh yeah you know because you do because they wanted to play fatal push right they wanted to play yeah stuff like thought seize um or they wanted to reliably be able to cast that two mana counter spell stuff like that so don't underestimate these in any style of deck. I mean, if if you have plays that you want to do early, whether it's proactive or reactive, consider these. And the final thing to think is you have to consider your curve with lands. So for example, with, a, with lands like Fabled Passage, they enable you to quite frequently cast your four drops on curve. Whereas like your three drops maybe you don't cast those on curve of cards like Fabled Passage. So it's kind of the same thing with this. The breaking point with these is actually four mana. These come in tapped when you reach, when this is your fourth land that you play, they come in tapped. So just think about that as well. Like if, if you have really high impact four mana plays that you want to be making, then these might not be the best choice. These are probably better in decks that like run Oro, for example, because you can play your Oro on three and you can you know put down your advantage and, and the tap clause isn't such a disadvantage in a deck like that so just just be thinking about your curve as well because these do enable you in turns one through three and then they bite you in the later turns of the game man think about it historic is going to have shock lands check lands fast lands triomes and am i missing one oh yeah path pathways, pathways. got pathways now that's a lot of good That's <laughs> a lot of lands, dude. Yeah, we we don't have fetch lands, like actual fetch lands, but we're, we're probably basically fetch lands away from having about as versatile of a mana base as modern has. That's not exactly true. They Modern has all kinds of lands. But the, all of the cards that we listed are some of the main players. I mean, these really are just some of the most important lands in Magic's history. So yeah, Historic is definitely... Um, it's a good time to be casting spells in historic. I tell you what. Can I tell you? Can I tell you something dumb about Commander as our kind of outro? Yeah. As our as our lead yeah, out. Yeah, lay it on me, dude. I I was playing a game of Commander, and I sacrificed a Bloodstained Mire on turn one, and I fetched a Triome. Oh, it's beautiful. It's so just want. I, I just I just wanted to share. I just wanted to share, dude. Just wanted to tell the people about that experience. So when wizards ceases to become cowards and they reprint fetch lands into standard, then you too will get to experience the power. But as it stands, there will remain reminiscences of the paper boomer generation. And hopefully you, us, generation of zoomers can appreciate some of these cards as they enter our formats. And I hope that you will do that with Kaladesh because this, this format is sweet. It's very, very sweet. And I'm looking forward to playing a lot of it. All right. Thank you for joining us for this lengthy episode. Trust me, CGB and I, we always strive to keep these as short as we can, and we almost invariably fail. And uh, catch us next week. I uh, am actually going to be having a guest on the show to talk about limited Kaladesh 
limited. So you will get to hear a lot more about this set next week. And then fear not, we will return to the constructed formats that everybody know and love. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find us on all of the platforms. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. We're on YouTube. Shout out to our YouTube listeners. Y'all are killing it. You can find Covert Go Blue on his channel, YouTube. Go look for Covert Go Blue there. He also streams Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern. That's going to do it. And uh, catch you a couple weeks from now, CGB. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just over here shuffling from that fetch land I cracked about five <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> Later, everybody. And it is none other, the one, the only, Fatal Push. This? Got it. You got it. Yeah, Fatality. Baby. All right. Got fatality achieved. <laughs> you, you paid one black mana to just try that little part. <laughs> I tried to um, time it, too, with your, love uh, it. With your conversation. Boom. Boom. <laughs>